and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. Repeat after me. Today. today. Louder. Today. today. The Holy Spirit, Spirit. is going to speak to me about kingdom culture versus secular culture. After today, I will know and fully understand that God has never planned for me to, for me to run, hide, or escape the world. Quite the contrary. God has always planned that I would be a light that shines so bright that he could put me in the darkest night and I'll light it up for his glory. All right, let's go. Yeah. Listen, every single one of these churches, uh, not churches, these services, uh, has a different personality. My, my nine o'clock services is the, you, you know, um, the like, I, we got this. I woke up early. I came here for this. Just go. I already know where you're going. Just go. The 11 o'clock, y'all are like my holler back service. Like, I know it, but I want to hear you say it. Like, like, it's just, I just love y'all's energy. It's great. Uh, uh, I'm going to read uh, Daniel chapter number one, okay? I'm going to read the entire chapter. You're going to deal with that. Uh, and, and then we're going to give you some context to where I feel like God has told me to go. So Daniel chapter number one, uh, starting at the first verse, here's what it says. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar uh, took them back to the land of Babylon, Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are all well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for, uh, respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of my lord, the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine, if you become pale and thin compared to the other use your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said, 
uh, at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed them as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them to be ten times more capable than any of the magicians and the enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Kingdom culture versus secular culture. I know it's going to be hard for you to imagine, but I want you to try. I want you to try to imagine that you went through the rest of your Sunday morning afternoon and evening, put your head on the pillow, but when you woke up in the morning, you found out that America had been attacked. But not just attacked, it had been overwhelmed and conquered by a foreign government, nationality, or entity. If you can even grasp your mind or put it around that, I want you to imagine in the next few days and weeks an entire new government system, culture, way of thinking, and way of believing had been forced upon every person that lived in this country. This is what happened to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. King Nebuchadnezzar had come into Jerusalem, overtaken it, and King Jehoiakim now is under Babylonian rule. And it wasn't a polite takeover. If you read anything historically about Nebuchadnezzar, you need to know one thing. He was a gangster. When Nebuchadnezzar would overtake a territory and a kingdom, he would take the king out of his castle, force him to his knees, and bring his entire family in front of the king and line them up. He would force the king to keep his eyes open while his family was slaughtered in front of him. After his family was slaughtered, they would take a gouger and gouge out the eyes of the king so that the last thing he saw was the assassination of his family. To make sure he never got to utter a commandment again, they would pull out that king's tongue and nail it to his chin. Take him outside and put him on the back of a horse, slap the back of the horse, and send the horse riding into nowhere. That's how Nebuchadnezzar would conquer a territory. 
He came in with a different culture. He came in with a different set of uh, principles, a, a different paradigm of thinking, a new tongue, a new language. All of this was forced upon Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the matter of hours and days. These four Hebrew boys were taken into captivity, but, but found to be incredible young men. If you were to pull up their GPAs, they would have had 4.0s in their GPAs, straight A students, handsome young men that had a fidelity and a heart from God. And here is what this secular culture said. Get the best and the brightest from that territory and that kingdom and then immerse them in our culture. They got a full ride and a full scholarship to Babylon University. They enrolled in Babylon University and, and, and they got to take all the classes. And here's the thing about these men. Even though they were just thrust into a secular culture against their will, they were, in, they were able to inhale the entire culture that was brought to them. They learned the Chaldean tongue with perfect diction, a completely different language than their own. They learned the culture. They read the books. They read the literature. They learned about the arts and the sciences of this particular kingdom, of this culture. So much so they became proficient in it and they got straight A's in the secular culture, just like they had straight A's in the kingdom culture. As young Jewish boys, they would have, they would have learned uh, uh, to, to, to read the, 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 the messages and the scrolls that were given to them. If they were modern day, they would have been, they would have been young uh, uh, Israeli boys that, that could memorize uh, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But being switched to a secular culture, they were able to absorb the entire, the entire culture. But when they opened up their mouth, they still had a fidelity to God. No matter how much of the secular culture was put on the inside of them, the only thing they, that came out was we believe that God is the true God of Israel. I, I want you to imagine we live in a, in a, in a comfortable cultural Christianity. We live in a, in a country that has given us the freedoms to gather without hiding. To be able to lift up the name of Jesus without uh, the threat of persecution. There's nothing that's going on in this country right now that we can really call persecution. They took prayer out of schools. You can still pray. Do you actually think it needs to be in legislature for you to walk around a school? Praying. That's when it all went down. No, 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 no. God has always given us the authority and the liberty to be able to be doing what we want to do the way we want to do it. It's in this country's constitution, but we haven't really seen persecution. You, you haven't got up in the morning and had to read your Bible in a basement with the lights off by flashlight. You've never been to China and, and had to worship the Lord in the side of a mountain. 
in a concave that's been that that's been that's been carved out for for three or four hundred people to gather and worship Jesus because they have police people patrolling to see if there is an illegal gathering. You haven't lived in a place or a society where you're beheaded for your belief. We don't really have persecution here. We have inconvenience. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah woke up one morning and they were in a completely different cultural context. And they were able to absorb the entire culture, but only put out kingdom culture. See, see, I believe that, that the church has done a very, very poor job of equipping people to be the type of disciples that can change the world around them. Because we think about Sunday mornings as a gathering place to keep people safe. Get in here. It's so bad in the world. It's so scary out there. You never want to be out there. Oh, you could die out there. Your, your faith could be compromised out there. Get in here quick, please. Come, come, come. We're all safe. Us four and no more. Come on. Let's sing the songs that keep us safe. Let's make sure, hey, I know you're going to go out to eat today, but make sure it's a godly environment. Go to that restaurant. They play worship music. Don't go to that restaurant. They have a smoking section. And the enemy's going, bravo. I love that church. I won't spiritually attack that church at all. I, I, I love the fact that they only want to hide amongst themselves, and they don't want to light up any dark areas. That's fine. Let them have church. Let, they won't, uh, hey, 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 all, all of my demons and imps, don't attack them. We already got them. We only attack people that are advancing on our territory. If they're not advancing on our territory, let them have a good, safe life. Don't bother them. They're asleep anyway. But when you wake up to the fact that God called us in here to be equipped so we could go back out there and actually upset the world, it changes the dynamic of how you come in here. You should come in here to get equipped to go back out and go, I am going to light up some darkness this week in Jesus' name. See, see, see these, boys, these boys were in Babylon University. Can you imagine being on a college campus nowadays? Okay, all the, all the crazy stuff that's going on on college campuses. Here's these, these four boys walk up. Okay, go into the go into the lunchroom, get their get their plates, and they're like, yeah, you know, let's see what's going on here. Uh, what, what's, what, what do we have on the menu? We got bone-in filet mignon. This is Nebuchadnezzar's menu. We got twice baked potatoes. I mean, we literally got the Caesar, uh, the, the the Shirley Caesar starter kit: greens, beans, <laughs> potatoes, tomatoes. You name it, right? I mean, whatever, whatever you want, they had it for you. And here's these guys, they came into the lunchroom and they were like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to eat that. We're, we're, just give us some carrots, some celery, some tomatoes, uh, and some lettuce. We'll be good with that. It's what we know as a Daniel fast. But, but, but that Daniel fast didn't start as a way to sanctify themselves more to God. It was their way of showing that they were not going to be feeding off a secular culture to be nourished by it, to do the things that God called them to do. They knew that what they were going to be putting in their mouth physically would compromise their integrity and fidelity to God spiritually. 
And they said, we will not live like that. See, I truly believe that every single church in this country and in the world should be equipping people to go into dark places. And that only happens when you have an orientation to God's word and you feel bold enough to go out into a very dark world with a very bright Christ and tell them how much we love them and how much their culture can't change our fidelity to God. I was on a plane uh, several years ago, and uh, whenever I get on a plane, um, uh, I, I, I just like to go to sleep. My wife hates this about me. Uh, I, I could be in a, in a plane with a seat that doesn't recline, and straight up, I'll just be like this. Mm. I could just go to sleep on a plane. There's something about the hum of an engine. I could have rested nine hours and get up in the morning and get on the plane, and as soon as I hear that, I'm... Mm. So I got upgraded to first class on this flight, and uh, after the pleasantries of sitting next to somebody in first class and you're just saying hi, make eye contact, I know you're another human being, God bless you. Mm. I'm not trying to witness to nobody, okay? I'm not using the three hours on this plane ride between, that, between here and New York to try to get you closer to Christ. I'm going to sleep. Somebody else is going to have to get you. Mm. The guy that I was on the plane with this time, he wasn't having it. So I had on my Bose noise cancellation headphones, which is a clear sign <laughs> that I would like to be left alone. Bose headphones literally means do not disturb. It's an expensive do not disturb sign, but it's worth it. This guy nudges me. Hey, where are you going? home. Mm. Hey, where is home? Dallas. Oh, yeah, I'm going to Dallas, too, but I'm only, I'm only connecting through. Okay. Mm. Hey, so what do you do? I speak. Mm. I know the evangelists in the room are like, how dare you just say you speak? You're a preacher of the most. Shut up. I was tired. I had already preached to the most high God. I was tired. Okay. Hey, what kind of speaking do you do? I preach at churches. Oh, really? I said, yes, I'm a pastor of a church, and I preach at churches. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm an atheist. Cool. I, I don't care. I literally do not care. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm an atheist. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I just came back from a symposium because I'm a geologist. The dude literally studies dirt. Do you know how 
smart you got to be that your job is to teach symposiums on dirt. When I, where, I, where I was born and raised, when somebody says, I do dirt, you know, that's not a good, they let you know that there's some illegalities going on. This dude says, I do dirt. And he's like, jazz hands, I get paid to do dirt. He's happy. He's like, yeah, I do dirt and all this kind of stuff, and I just came from, I'm like, okay, that's great. And he reaches down in his backpack, and he pulls out, I didn't even know this existed, an atheist Bible. I didn't even know they had that. And he was like, hey, would you read some of my Bible? I already know yours. Would you read mine? And I was like, sure. He gave me the, the, the book. And it actually had Genesis in it. it. Like It had the books of the Bible, but from a complete uh, 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 ev- evolutionary point of view. And, and so, and, and I was just, I, I, was, I read the first page, and I was like, this is, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, y'all think we crazy. <laughs> this is amazing. And I got through like five pages. And I, I looked back at him, I said, bro, this is fascinating. And he was like, really? I said, yeah. He said, no, now, since you read that, h- how do you still feel about your religion? I said, oh, I feel fine. I was like, yeah, I mean, like, like I appreciate you letting me read that, and, I, and, I, and I'm open to, 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 to digest what you had to say and, and what you believe, but, but, but make no mistake. I, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Like, I know that sounds preposterous to you, but your first five pages to me <laughs> was equally as preposterous. So we're kind of even. So, so we started having this conversation, and, and, and he wanted to dig a little bit. And, and I just told him, I said, hey, man, you study dirt for a living. I said, you are smarter than me. I said, I'm not going to debate you. I said, I can't debate you. But, but here's what I'll tell you. What, I t- what I'll tell you is that, that in light of the information that you just gave me, while as compelling as it is, it still has not diminished my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and God raising him from the dead. He said, so you believe the Bible to be true? I said, yes. He said, all of it? I said, yes. (laughs) He's like, man, see, I just don't understand that. I mean, think about it. When we first got on this plane, we didn't know each other. And in the two and a half hours that we've been flying, our relationship has evolved. (laughs) Wow, this is a great argument for atheists. What I will respond with is, you had to get on this plane by faith and believe it wasn't going to fall. Where are your headphones at? We had this great conversation. By the end of the conversation that the plane was descending, he said, man, I have to stay in touch with you. Can I have your email address? He said, because most believers that I speak to, they just argue with me. But you actually had a conversation with me. And the fact that I presented you with all this stuff and you still believe what you believe, I think you mean it. I would just like to stay in touch with you. Can I have your email? I said, yeah. And we were email friends for three months. Hey, where you going? What dirt you messing with now? <laughs> then he told me, th- th- then I would tell him where I was going to be preaching next. And, oh, I'm going to be in that city. And maybe if you come to the city, would you ever come listen to me? He's like, no. It didn't matter. I, I was literally able to step into a secular paradigm of thought. And it never compromised my integrity to what I believe. 
Because I have an anchor in the word of God. See, see, we have to raise up people to be like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and, and Azariah. If the ladies in the room are mad that these are all boy names, then it is Daniela, <laughs> Hadassah, Michelle, and Azrael. That, that's, yeah, take those. Okay. All I'm saying to you is that, that God wants you to be oriented in such a way. See, this, this series is not about exposing every bit of secular culture. It's about building up the kingdom culture you're supposed to have so that no, ma- no matter what kind of secular uh, culture you find yourself in, you are able to boldly declare what you believe without compromise. See, some of us in this room don't have enough people in our lives that are sinners. That, that's, that, that, that's how I know that, that you, 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 you can't talk to anybody in culture because you don't have no, you need everybody in, everyone that's a believer in Jesus needs at least one good rank sinner friend. <laughs> if you don't want to call them a, a friend, you, they need to be a, an acquaintance. You need to have one crazy person that don't care nothing about what you believe to just keep you sharp. Right? They, like, they're like, I don't even believe what you, I don't care what you say. I'll never walk in a church. I need to go to have some eggs with you. I just need to have some eggs with you. Because whatever's being thrown at you, you need to be able to filter that through a biblical worldview and give it back to them. So, so I want to give you the three points that I have to this message. I want you to write these down because if you're going to keep your kingdom culture uh, in a secular culture, you're going to need to have these things. Uh, now, Oh, I just told you that, but, but I'm so excited I'm, I'm, I'm jumbling up my, my edit in my head. Let, let me give you uh, the thing that you need to know first about the world, okay? Because for years, for decades, when I grew up in church, people were like, don't be a part of the world. Better stay out of that world. That world is crazy. Don't be worldly. Don't be in that world. That world will kill you. You watching something worldly. You listening to something worldly. Everything you do is worldly. Don't go to that worldly basketball game. Don't you cheer at that worldly baseball game. Don't you go to that worldly football game. The world, the world, the world, the world, the world. Can I, can, let me explain something to you. Jesus died for the whole world. I, I, I mean, our anchor verse in the entire Bible is John three sixteen. For God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word world is right there. He loves the world. He died for the world. But let me give you what that word, that, 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 that word uh, world means in the Greek. That word uh, world in the Greek means cosmos, which where we get the word cosmos. And it literally means inhabited earth. It's the earth he created. That's what he's in love with. Genesis chapter number one, he created in six days, he created the heavens and the earth. He made the earth, and he loves the earth he made. He loves the creation that he put in the earth. So when he brought his son to die on the cross, he was dying for the world he created. He was dying for the people that he made himself have covenant with, that he gave dominion over the earth. He loves that world. Let me tell you the world that he doesn't love. We find it in in Romans chapter number 12, verse number 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good 
and pleasing and perfect. Let me tell you what the Greek word uh, for that is. It's ion. And that word ion literally means world system. See, see, God doesn't hate the world he created. He hates the operating system that the world is running on. Okay? It would be like having your iPhone, but, but God created it to run on, you, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, a kingdom processor. But you're running it on iOS. He don't hate the phone. It's just the operating system that you're running it on. That's what he would have a problem with. What I'm trying to tell you is that God has always loved the world he created, but he hates the operating system, the secular culture, because secular just means without God. He hates the secular way that it's being ran, and he wants to see that redeemed for his glory. Well, you can't do that if you don't, if you're not operating on the same system that he wants to operate on. So that's the context I want you to have. We're supposed to be equipped to go out into the world. Okay. I, I, I listen to worldly music because I want to know what's influencing the culture. And I listen to all of it. Pop, rock, alternative, R&B, <laughs> hip-hop, okay? Um, uh, I, even though... Because I'm literally trying to understand it with the hip-hop. Literally trying to understand it. And it's like, they're like, yes, yes, that's mumble rap. No, it's not. That's muffled rap. If they just take the duct tape off, maybe we could hear the lyrics that they're trying to say. I'm trying to understand it because I want to know what they're feeding the culture. I want to know what the diet is of these people. I, 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 I want to know what news feeds you're listening to. I, I, I want to know how, how, how uh, 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 the news is trying to shape the, the ideation and the formation of thought in the culture. Because you can't change something you don't understand. How are we called to go into the world and make disciples, but we don't understand anybody in the world because we're too scared to go in it? Because we're too, don't send them out there because they might not come back. It's so scary. It's so scary out there in the world. And if you go out there, you're going to fall into a trap of Satan and you're going to die and you're never going to come back. That just means you're not discipled. If you can't go out into the, a regular work day and stay saved, you probably haven't met Jesus. Like if one conversation with a sinner is going to make you question your entire salvation process, you probably haven't been discipled. You probably have two inches of Bible and like 40 feet of carnality. No, no, I'm not saying that as a slam against you or as an attack. All I'm saying is you just need to get in your word more. It's really easy to turn it around. You can turn two inches into four and four into a foot and, and keep going from there. All I'm saying is that, that you have to have the word of God. So, so let me tell you how a kingdom culture uh, comes against a secular culture. It's these three ways. Please write these down. Point number one, you have to keep your identity. You must keep your identity in Christ if you are going to be a culture carrier that influences secular culture. Because secular culture is always trying to redefine your identity. 
hear me when I tell you, secular culture is always trying to redefine your identity. They do it to every generation. A generation is, uh, uh, comes to be, and after 20 years, they're like, you know what? This is the silent generation. They don't talk about anything. So we'll all learn to be silent in a generation. Oh, th- this is the baby boomer generation. They're inventive. They're, they, they're the industrials. They're the creatives. So we can wind up prideful uh, in a generation. Generation X, they gave up on us. They were like, we don't know what they're going to be. X is just unknown. They just gave up on us. We don't know. Can't call it. Don't know who they're going to be at all. Happy hunting. Millennials, they're lazy. They don't want to be submitted to authority. Listen to me. That's demonic. The secular culture is always trying to define who you will be. As as opposed to the word of God defining who you are. You have to know and keep your identity in a secular culture. Because the secular culture is always going to get you to try to redefine who you are. Some of y'all screen names in your, in your, in your social media handles give away. You, you don't even believe in who you are. That's why you hot thing 77. I don't know what thing you got that's hot. I don't know if you was born in 77 or that's how many. I don't know. But how, why, are you, why can't you just be Jasmine? Why you have to be Young Thug 214 repping Dallas ain't no more? Like, how is that your whole? Nobody want to try to, no one's going to try to find you. And you're not a thug. You go to private school. How are you, like, banging in your mom's Escalade? Stop yourself. But this, we always have to have, what's your nickname? What do you go by? I go by Timothy. That's my name. My name has, a, has one of the few uh, uh, dual meanings in Scripture. It literally means honoring God and to be honored by God. Why would I pick up a, a nickname? How is it better than my name? And if you have a real culturally ethnic name, make up your own definition. That's godly. If you've looked through the whole Internet and can't find a definition for your name, just be like, I'm a child of God. Like, like just make something up for yourself. If you Diamante, just, just go in there and find something you like and, 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 and attach yourself to it. But don't let them change who God's called you to be. Daniel chapter number one, verse seven says this, because this is what happens in a secular culture. The chief of staff renamed him with Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Uh, 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 Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. The first thing they did when they assimilated them into the secular culture was we have to call you a new name. They never called themselves those names. The book of Daniel is not called the book of Belteshazzar. We are giving you a chronicled account that they were taken under a rule of, of the Babylonians, but make no mistake, they still kept their identity and their fidelity to God. You cannot let anybody misidentify you in the secular culture. When they try to do it, you correct them. Oh, you a boss. You a bad B. No, I'm not. I am, a, I am a woman of God. I am a man of God. God's given me a name. That name comes with authority. Demons are scared of that name. And if they get past my name, they can't get past the name, Jesus Christ. 
We know that in the Old Testament we have all these descriptive words about God and, and, and that, 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 that we find out in Isaiah chapter number 9 that he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. But none of that trumps his name. The name's important, so, so keep the name that God gave you. There's authority in the name that he gave you. Point number two, please write this down. Stay on your diet. Ooh, this is good. The only way that you're going to represent kingdom culture in a secular culture is to stay on your diet. Now, some of y'all know that I used to be a battle rapper. Uh, uh, when I started rapping at the age of nine years old, and, and hip-hop is my, is my love language. It's my default language. I, I, and, and as a teenager, uh, I was a battle rapper, and, uh, and I was great. Okay, so I wasn't good. I was great. Okay, so... Uh, uh, and there were guys greater than me, but I was, I was with them, okay? So, so that's what I cut my teeth on as a teenager. Then I gave my life to Jesus when I was 20 years old, and I was like, it is Satan. All hip-hop is satanic, because I went deep, okay? Once I came up for air, I was like, okay, it ain't that bad. Um, and I'll be talking about that next week, what music does to culture. You ain't going to want to miss that one. Um, I got saved and uh, got married, and uh, this, this rap itch came back. And I found out that on 97.9, which is one of the uh, secular stations that plays a lot of hip-hop music, 97.9 um, used to have these battles, uh, freestyle competitions on, on, on the air. And so somebody told me about it. They said, you should enter it. And so I uh, got on the phone, and we started battling these people uh, 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 on the phone, and I won for 45 days in a row. Okay, without cussing, without degrading women, without all of this stuff, 45 days in a row. Okay, so after 45 days, they were like, there's nobody else for you to fight. It's over now. We're calling it now. Hang up the proverbial jersey. They were like, hey, you want to come down to the club and battle in person? And I was like, ah! <laughs> This phone allowed me to keep some anonymity. You want me to come to a club? How dare I, as a sanctified, spirit-filled man, walk into a club? Yes, I'll be there. <laughs> went to the club. I went to the club. I took my wife with me, because I just think that's smart. <laughs> Monday nights, went into this club, smoke-filled club. Everybody's smoking Swisher Sweets, black and mad, walking around with drink. There's a difference between drinks and drank, okay, the past tense, present tense, alcoholic beverage, drank, okay, go in there, and, uh, and it, it, I mean, it's a club, and I hadn't been to a club since before I got saved, but I got an anchor on the inside of me now, so there's nothing about the environment that was swaying me in any way, so I signed up to be uh, one of the contestants, and uh, the first day I signed up, uh, I had to battle five people, and the champion didn't have to battle until uh, the end of the night against whoever made it through the first five rounds. I'm the one that made it through the first five rounds, and then I battled the guy at the end, and I beat him. For, he was champion for like six months. I battled him, and I beat him. They're like, oh, my goodness. This guy, Anonymous. That was a little name that I had, my little rap name. <laughs> Y'all might not know this about me, but I'm actually an introvert. I, like, I, do, I, am a, I function as an extrovert, and I do love people, but y'all going to have to leave me alone if I'm going to love you again. Like, I have to get away from you. 
to come back to you, okay? So, um, so, so I beat him, and then I won the next week, and then the third week, this, this guy was really good. He, he wanted to beat me. But by that time, I had established some influence with these guys. And they were like, hey, man. This guy walked up to me after the first day that I won with, with his drink, okay, and his little, he's like, hey, man. He's like, yo, man, you good, bro, okay? I'm sanitizing his language for the consumption of the public, okay? That's not quite how he said it, but that's what he meant, okay? You gotta be able to, to decode the language. I learned the Chaldean tongue of hip hop and then flipped it back. Say with me, I'm trying to take y'all somewhere. Anyway, he was like, hey man, that was good, bro. I mean, that stuff was good. <laughs> I'm messing y'all up. Um, he was like, hey man, but I noticed something. I didn't hear you cuss not one time. How'd you do that? I said, oh, I'm a believer. So, yeah, I don't rap when I cuss. If my mama hears it, what's she going to do? So I don't cuss. And he, as soon as I said that I'm a believer, he went like this. Man, do, that's dope, bro. That's <laughs> word. You know, I go to church with my grandmama on occasion. Because I, you know, I be needing that prayer, too, bro. That's good looking out, bro. Like, you doing a good job, bro. Pray, will you pray for me, too, bro? Okay. So over the next several months, uh, uh, the guys that DJed on, the, um, on, on that station, that was at the time uh, Headcrack, Super K, and Keynote, and Action Jackson, they started inviting me to all of the premieres at the radio station, inviting me to the Super Bowl and, and parties and all this kind of stuff. And I started going to the, to the, to the parties. And when I come in, they be like, oh, they're the preacher. Preacher's here. Okay, I was like, what, what baby? Was I 25, 26, something like that? Might have been around there. So anyway, so, so I'm doing all this. And then uh, after a while, I started getting phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning from these same guys. 2 o'clock in the morning, drunk out of their mind, weeping. Man, will you pray for me? Do you honestly think I can change my life? Cause yo, like this is uh, my heart hurts, and like I can't even share it with nobody. But like I feel like I can trust you, cause like I, you came to like four events, and I didn't see you drink nothing. <laughs> and you wasn't looking at the girls, and you was like repping your wife, and then you just and you just left, and then, and then you still haven't cussed yet. <laughs> I was like, bro, I pray, for, I pray for you right now. Pray for him. And we started lighting up some dark places. Listen. But you have to be on a different diet. They had all the notoriety. They had regional fame. But they still needed to medicate themselves with alcohol because they couldn't handle the stuff they got because they was on the wrong diet. Here's what happens if you stay on the right diet. Daniel chapter number one, verse 15. Uh, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. I have friends, when I was in California, they got high every day. Man, you rap real good, but if you get high, bro, you, your lyrics would go to another level. I have, I have friends that got drunk every single night. Like, yo, man, that party was, I don't even remember, I don't even remember last night. 
I'm like, that's not fun. <laughs> to me personally, to not remember a day or what I did or who I did it with. <laughs> so I've buried some of those friends. Some of those friends can't remember years now where it used to be days. Some of them have kidney failure. Some of them have chronic uh, lung issues. Chronic lung issues. Chronic. <laughs> Stay woke. Um, <laughs> But some of them are coming out of those lifestyles because my light has stayed consistent. And I have never tried to shun them or push them away or act like I can't be affiliated with them. Because my anchor is strong enough because of this diet in the word of God that I'm on to handle anything they throw my way culturally. Point number three, please write this down. You have to maximize your capabilities. Listen, oh man, I, I want to shout this one from the rooftops. Maximize your capabilities. Would you say that with me? Maximize my capabilities. Put it in first person. Maximize my capabilities. Again, maximize my capabilities. Here's what it says in Daniel 1.20. Um, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the other magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Look, y'all, God has given you something that, that he's giving you a gift. Don't settle on it being good. Be great. If you get great at the thing that God put on the inside of you, it will get the attention of the secular world. And do you know what they will do? They will promote you. All four of these boys wound up in the king's court, even though he knew that they didn't believe in him. They did not believe in his God. They still got promoted. Why? Because they were too good at their work. And some of y'all think that if you're not in ministry, that this job is just a job. Listen, go be great. We got people in here that are actors, that are lawyers, that are doctors, that are superintendents of schools, that are models. Whatever he's called you to do, don't be good, be great. I used to work at Nissan Motor Acceptance Corporation in the call center. Uh, uh, I started in the mailroom, went to the call center, went from the call center uh, uh, to being a trainer and a motivational speaker. Why? Because I didn't settle for being good. I wanted to be great. Put that phone, boom, 99 calls in the queue. Thank you for calling Nissan Motor Acceptance Corporation. My name is Tim. How may I assist you today? Yeah, I didn't get my lease payment. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate you calling. We will try to resolve this in the best way possible. Sir, uh, could you just give me your account number? I don't have it. Not a problem, sir. Let's pull you up another way. Can you give me, provide me with your address? Maybe I can pull it up that way. Oh, my address is 543 Center Court, Connecticut. Zip code, blah, blah, blah. Okay, thank you so much. Huh, I'm pulling up a name, Craig. Is that your name, sir? Yes, sir, that is my name. Thank you so much, Craig. Uh, to uh, secure this account, could you provide me with the last four of your social security number? 
Yes, five, seven, three, two. Thank you so much, Craig. And, and what can I do for you today? I told you already. I didn't get my lease payment. You better not come take my car. Well, Craig, it seems like you're only two days past your due date. I'm going to initiate another payment to be sent out to you now. If you want to, Craig, you can actually, uh, uh, we can actually resolve this over the phone, or I can uh, transfer you to a bill pay system. If not, let me send out a new bill to you right away, and I will also notate the account not to have any late charges uh, to be incurred if you have it in by this date. Have I resolved your matter, Craig? Yeah. Yeah, you have. Thanks. You know, man, my, I lost my cat this morning. <laughs> That's why we have a mute button in customer service. <laughs> I hit that mute button all the time. I did not ask you that. Yes, sir? <laughs> I do not care, Craig, about your cat. Yes, sir, and what else? <laughs> we got off the phone. Now, now, you, you probably waiting for the, I led Craig to Christ. No, I didn't. This is a call center, man. I got to be off that phone in three minutes, okay? So this one was four minutes and 30 seconds. Let me tell you who I impressed, though, the person doing quality assurance. They said, hey, Tim, I heard your last five calls, and that last one with Craig, wow. I know we like to rush, I know we like to keep the, the queue rolling and we try to do three minutes or less, but you taking that extra 90 seconds to just calm him down, that was really, really good. I'm, I'm going to write you a, a, a recommendation and to make sure you get recognition for that call. Those started piling up. Because I wasn't just going to be a good customer service rep. Like, wherever I'm going to be, I'm going to be great. I don't care what I'm doing. If I have to flip a burger, I'm going to get the attention of the whole restaurant. I'm going to be in the back like, ah! I'm going to be that dude that puts the salt like this. Like, I'm going <laughs> to... If you're going to do it, like, really do it. Let me tell you who it's going to attract. It's going to attract people. You don't know what kind of people it's going to attract, but it's going to attract people. And when God attracts the people, you don't need to care if they believe in what you believe in. You can just start lighting them up with the love, the message, and the hope of Jesus Christ. You might get somebody that's transgender. You might get somebody that's gay, lesbian. You might get somebody that's Democratic or Republic. You might get somebody that's a Muslim. You might get somebody that is a black Hebrew Israelite. Because the thing right now. You might, you, you, whatever you get. God's given you a grace to be light and darkness. If the first time somebody opens their mouth, they say something that agrees with your disposition or your faith walk, and you're like, can't talk to you, how are they going to get reached? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah lived the type of life and maintained the type of life that allowed them to literally change the world around them. And when we come back next week, I'm going to talk to you about Daniel chapter number three. And how these boys literally got fired before they got promoted. But that's it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I'm done. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.